As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Buffalo Beat. We are getting closer and closer to the 2023 NFL Draft, and I feel like it's a tradition now since it's the uh, the second year in a row we're doing this. Uh, on the program today, friend of the show, great human being, Elena Getzenberg from ESPN.com, covers the Bills, does a great job for them. And uh, Elena, welcome back to the Buffalo Beat. Thanks for having me, Joe. I'm thrilled to be called a friend of the pod. That's like, <laughs> I think that's better than the great human part. Like, I like the friend of the pod. That really means a lot to me. So, pumped to be back. I don't know why I have to be tied to draft talk because it, well, it's not my I favorite know. time of the year, but happy to be here and yeah, thrilled to talk draft with you. <laughs> well, one of the one of the reasons why I do love getting you on for the uh, for the draft portion of the program is because. Uh, you like a good conspiracy theory, just like me. That's true. <laughs> um, yeah, and the draft is rife with them. So uh, I, I figured no better because, like last year, one of our big conversations was all about Brees Hall, and um, you know maybe the Bills pr- probably Bills probably should have done that. But um, I digress. So this year is uh, an, a completely different beast. It's a it's less about the um, I guess the luxury picks because they have a legitimate amount of need. So I guess the way that uh, I kind of want to do this is just kind of leave it open-ended. We are now, this is, we're recording this on Friday, April 14th in the morning. So if anything breaks after this, I'm sorry. And we're not current. But about two weeks, a little less than two weeks from the draft getting going, what is on the brain from a Bill's perspective of Elena Getzenberg? Wow. Ooh, that's so mm-hmm. open-ended. <laughs> I know. Actually, I think there's a lot of things, but I think draft specific, I think it is like this idea that like sitting, I, I think it's really interesting that like compared to last year when I felt like we were like, okay, there's like very specific, like a couple of key things that I think would make sense early. I do feel like with this draft, it's so interesting because I could make the case, like I could sit here and I think pretty make a pretty good case for like, 20 different things and it would be like okay like you know like i can make i can make the case for a pass rusher people will hate it and like i'll get things thrown at me in the streets of buffalo but i can make the case for it because it's really like a for like 2024 in my opinion like a big need so like i Mm -hmm. i do think there's like so much they could do like and that to me is like the most fascinating thing is that like I could see a case where they trade up for like a wide receiver. I can see that. I can see them trading back and taking a linebacker. I think that could make a lot of sense. Like they're so, they could sit at, are we calling it 27 or 28? Oh, number 27. I I go with the actual pick number because Miami was stupid and they don't deserve a pick number. I do wish, like, this is such a side note, that the NFL had handled it a little differently. So I don't have, we don't have to be like, it's 27. It was supposed to be 20. You know, like, let's just like pretend like the Dolphins don't exist. I don't know. It's fine. It's 27 then. Um, They could stay. Well, the Dolphins basically don't exist in this draft, if we're being (laughs) honest. So 
so that's fine. Um, that's what happens when you do bad things, people. Mm-hmm. You don't mm-hmm. exist in the draft. Um, yeah, they could sit at 27 and, like, take oh, someone there, like a tight end. You know, like, I think there's so, so much they, they could do. And that, to me, is, like, what makes it so interesting is because, like, you can, like, yes, I think a lot of fans would like a wide receiver or, yeah, a wide receiver. But I don't necessarily think, like, I think there's so much else they could do that would make this team better. Yeah, I think what you just said is probably music to Brandon Bean's ears because that's exactly what he wants. And I do live fact- to please Brandon Bean. Yeah. That is my... <laughs> Right. Uh, The the fact that they have just basically, not canceled out, but they have done a lot of back-end things to make obvious needs less of a need. I would argue argue for most everything besides linebacker. Like, linebacker is the one where it's like, okay, this one kind of feels like cornerback did last year, where it's light, but they're like, oh, but we took Terrell Bernard last year and he can play the middle even though he fell down to fifth or sixth on the depth chart by the end of the year when it was a healthy scratch for the playoff game, but be it as it may. I think I think the open-endedness of what they could do has left the room for interpretation of, of how many spots that they could address in this draft. But I do feel like it's, it's kind of in the ballpark of four, maybe five positions. If uh, th- This is from my perspective. Um, and... Pass rusher, believe me, I, I'm I'm with you that you never rule that out with, with Brandon Bean. I do wonder if he looks at the investment he made at Von Miller last year and the fact that he's locked in through next year and is like, yeah, I can't do that. No, I don't think they're like, going to take a pass rusher. <laughs> I just yeah, think that yeah, you, could, like, you could you could make the case for it. Like, I, I think another thing with this, and this is a conversation for another day, really, I do think I don't trust this team to draft a pass rusher, to be honest, mm. like to do it and be successful at it, which is why like they have to take so many strikes at it. This is a whole nother tangent of mm-hmm. mine. They have been yeah. unsuccessful at drafting pass rushers, but they have been mostly unsuccessful with defensive linemen. I mean, Ed Oliver has has been good and I think he's a little bit misunderstood. And I feel like Ed Oliver is is creeping towards the Tremaine Edmonds line of understood for value based on based on what people think of him out there um, and how the team feels about him specifically. Uh, But that's also another conversation for another day. But outside of him, like Greg Rousseau has had a really good start to the year, kind of fell off after his injury. I (laughs) still feel like they're hopeful for him. Boogie Basham has been a zero. Uh, AJ Epinesa has been a three out of 10, I think. Um, And he'll probably start the year as, as their starting right defensive end. But but yeah, I I I I can definitely see that argument, which is why people I think are kind of ticked off at the fact that defensive tackle is is entering the lexicon of of draft needs this year. But but I, I'm sure we'll get into defensive tackle. In terms of this overriding notion that the offense they have to address the offense, it's been a thing. Every time you log on Twitter and go through people's tweets. And both of our mentions, people want receiver. They want something fun. They want something to help keep the window open. And they're tired of defensive draft picks because that's all that they've done in in round one since Josh Allen was drafted. So when you look at, in the scope of wide receiver compared to, or, or offense in general, um, compared to the values available and the and what they might actually do. Where do, where do you kind of land when you kind of uh, think about all that once? I think it's interesting because, I don't know, every time, so at owners meetings, when Gabe Davis is brought up again, and I do think the Gabe Davis point is important here because mm-hmm. they relied on him last year, right, to take that next step. That was clearly the, pl- you know, like that was the plan. I mean, it didn't work. And they keep pointing to like, his ankle and like getting injured so early in the season and that, that like messed him up for the rest of the year. They really like making excuses (laughs) for the guys that they like. Spencer, Spencer Brown. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's a conversation for another day. Um, I've had that conversation on the pod a few times now, and I think people are mad at me. I have everything Joe has said about Spencer Brown. I agree with, by the way, because I asked Bean at the, the end of the season press conference about Spencer Brown. And I think it's, so, anyway, I'm gonna end up going down him. a tangent. I just think he they, loves him. They love him and they rely on the like they give him grace because he went to a smaller school, which I think is 
he's been in the NFL for two years. That's but also, if we really want to get into psychology here, <laughs> Wyatt Teller is still in the brain. Oh, 100%. 100%, yeah. Yeah. And I think that factors in. But anyway, sure, go, go sure. on. I, I didn't mean to sidetrack. No, you. I mean, very easy to do. I sidetracked myself, kind of. Um, so anyway, Gabe Davis is, you know, he's there and he he's this kind of option, right, at that receiver role. But I do think, like, he didn't show enough last year that, to my point about the draft, like, I think it would make sense. I think it would make sense if there was a receiver that they're in love with to trade up for him. Like, I think mm-hmm. that it's time to like invest heavily in a young receiver. And also like with, that's why with all, I mean, we don't really need to get into this, but with all the Deandre Hopkins talk, like to me, it was like, cool. That's interesting. He's over 30 years old. He's coming off a year where he had the suspension alone dealt with injuries. And like, that's not a long-term answer. This team needs to, there's so many positions that they don't have answers for the long-term as you referenced, defensive tackle is one of them. None of, the key guys are signed for 2024. They like don't have to like a starting defensive tackle for 2024 right now. So I think like that's another tangent, but at wide receiver, I think it's like, it makes sense to invest highly in that position because Steph's getting older. Gabe's unreliable and who knows the future there. And then they've added smaller, like they've added good pieces, I think to that room, like smart Mm -hmm. pieces, but I think they need someone. I mean, gosh, the second half of last season, how many times did we talk about when they take Steph out, this team's like, they don't know what to do. Like, they don't know how to, you know? So I think, I think there really is like, it's, it makes sense to me. Like if they don't address it in the first two days, I, I think it's not a, that's not one of the positions that everyone's saying is like deep, deep, like tight end mm-hmm. cornerback. Those are deep positions in this draft. I think they can get a wide receiver later, but I think there's a really good case for getting a young guy that they can have for a cheap price. Like, I think that's a key part of this have for like Mm -hmm. on that rookie contract for years to come while Josh is in his prime. Like, I think that's so important. So I do think like, yes, it's like the pick that everyone likes, but I do think there's like a really strong case to doing that. Yeah. I do find it interesting that they have had basically in terms of what's been reported to this point, basically every top receiver in for a 30 visit, which is not always like a signal of intent, but it's usually a good place to start at least the conversation. I also have found it interesting that they um, have not had any reported contact with either of the the linebackers, Jack Campbell and um, and Drew Sanders. But you know, maybe Sean just puts in a call to his boy Luke Keekley <laughs> and says, "Okay, what what do I need to know? Put put me on Facetime with Jack Campbell." Um, but but be it as it may, I I'm with you on receiver. I don't know that they have the, I guess, I don't know that Bean would be willing to trade up too far Mm-mm. for just based on he has not sent away a future draft pick in any move up since he became the Bills GM. That's not to say he wouldn't, Mm -hmm. but I just don't know that that's something that he really wants to do because it, you obviously have to round round up um, when you trade away a future pick because a third round pick next year does not equal a third round pick this year. Third round pick next year uh, equals a fourth round pick this year. Um, So that's, that's how teams kind of go about it, which is why, Having only six picks makes me a little hesitant over them making a stark move up the board. Like, let's say they can move up a few spots and get a later pick in return for a third round pick. But gosh, even that feels like a a heavy price to pay with all the stuff that they could use. Uh, But the receiver group definitely falls off a cliff. Like, once once you get past the... Like the Jaden Reed, A.T. Perry point, it's it doesn't it's not really great. Um, like maybe you can throw Xavier Hutchinson in there as as someone who might have some potential, but these are there's also guys that don't really fit them, like guys who can't separate, uh, more possession style contested catch guys. That's not what they go for anymore. So at least early on the the guys that are available are like Bills receivers to a T in what they look for. Like Jackson Smith and Jigba, yeah, slot guy, but I think he can still play on the outside. Jordan Addison, who has played on the perimeter basically his whole career. I love the fit of Jordan Addison in Buffalo because 
he's while he is 171 pounds, I don't think the Bills care because he's a great route runner. He's a great separator. You can play him at Z uh, for Stefan Diggs. You can you can move Addison all over the place. You can put him at the slot. You can put Diggs at the slot. It just gives them more versatility, and you know you are getting like an A plus locked in really good route runner right away that can separate from from NFL cornerbacks. So I'm with you. I think I think cornerback is definitely or I'm sorry, I think wide cornerback. I think wide <laughs> receiver if if they drafted a like I've seen I've seen a few mocks out there that have put cornerback to the Bills and I'm like uh what? Um I could anyway. see it late. Late. Corner? The, late, late, late in the draft. Yeah. Well, uh, Unfortunately, they don't have any late, late, late picks. I know, but like, but they're <laughs> no. Well, I go ahead, finish what you were yeah. saying. <laughs> but receiver to me just feels like Addison. We talk about Jackson Smith and Jigba. There's some other guys there. Like Zay Flowers is fascinating mm-hmm. to me for them. I for like a couple of days, I talk myself into Quentin Johnston for from TCU for them, and then I talk myself back out of it because he doesn't separate. He's big, and his contested catch rate is pretty bad for a big guy. So, uh, I don't know where that leaves. I don't know where that leaves us. Um, let's, is there anyone at receiver that kind of strikes you as, as being their type other than the ones that I, that I just, uh, listed off because I basically just cherry picked the the top three there. No, I mean, I kind of agree with what you're saying. Like when you, um, I think the point is really important that I agree with you that like, I don't see them making, which is why like when I mentioned the cornerback thing and picking late, 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 like I think I see with this roster and the cap situation that Brandon Bean clearly does, again, they can push more money to the future if they wanted to, but Brandon mm-hmm. Bean, I mean, how many times can the man say he doesn't want to do that until like, people <laughs> believe him? So anyway, with the cap situation they're at and like wanting more of those rookie deals, I agree with you. I don't see them trading up super far and giving up a lot of capital because that's just not, it doesn't make sense. I could see like a similar move to last year with Kair with the two moves up, you know, like to do something like that. Now, was that a good move in retrospect? No, no but that's. <laughs> Stay and take Brees Hall, get a cornerback later. Move back but and it... take Brees Hall would have been the correct move. Uh, but Well, yeah. Um, well, the Jets, the Jets were trying to trade up into the first to get Brees at some point. I know, but they could, the Bills were at 25. They could have moved back I a know. little bit. I know. It was know. not. Listen, you got me on the Brees Hall train last year. I know so, I did. And it, it yeah. <laughs> this is a great segue. So what do they do if B. John Robinson is on the board? Oh, um, you trade. <laughs> you trade, trade back. You trade back. You trade back. Yeah. You, you wouldn't do it. No. I. Uh, He's a better prospect than Brees Hall. So. I th- And this is like mixed take and people may not agree with this. You may not agree with this. If they hadn't drafted Devin and Zach as high as they did and James last year, I would say go for it. I do mm-hmm. it. Let's invest in it. I think it makes sense. He's obviously a very good player. People you think very highly of him. But how many picks can you invest in the running back position and not in other parts of like, I don't. I think it goes back to not trusting them to draft successfully. Like what was the James Cook pick? If you need to invest another huge pick that was, I mean, they drafted James Cook so early. Like, it's like, if you keep investing all these picks in running backs, like, I don't know. It's just like, how can you invest that? Like that'll have been two third round picks, a second round pick and a first round pick in like Mm -hmm. a very short amount of time in the running back position. Like, no, I, 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 I understand where you're coming from. <laughs> but I do think he would be good for this offense. So I just think that, like, it's a mixed bag. I I don't – I would – if there was – it would depend what wide receivers were on the board for me. I do think it would be tempting. I would understand why it would be tempting. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover – Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. If, okay, if Bijan <laughs> Robinson is on the board and it's like a choice of Bijan Robinson, Zay Flowers, or Jordan Addison, I'm probably, I would lean towards Bijan myself. Wow. Just just because so, this, this class, this class of receivers is good. I think Zay Flowers has a chance to be pretty good in, in the NFL. I think Jordan Addison has a chance to be a pretty good number two. Um Jackson Smith and Jigba can be like a hundred catch guy, I think, but he's probably going to be gone. And if Bijan Robinson is sitting on the board there, like the, I understand what you're saying with investing in draft capital last year, but for me, the value of the talent supersedes all of that because they're basically getting the best running back prospect since Saquon, which is what he's been billed as. And Saquon would be incredible in their offense. He was someone I thought that they should have thought about trading for or even signing had he not been franchise tagged this offseason. <clears throat> but because that, because there's this notion of all the things that they've done at running back, two of those picks that we talked about, they're gone. They don't exist. They're vapor. They are, they are vapor. James Cook, they traded down and took him. They were not so invested in him that they had to have him right where they were. They they said that they liked two or three guys, and they felt good enough with, with moving back um, to pick up this guy. So I don't know that, that it's necessarily like second-round pick, yes. Crazy investment. This guy's our, our, our guy of the future. Not as convinced. So... That's what leads me to, I don't think they should just take a running back in the first just for the sake of taking it. But if this is a guy who, with a lot of smart people out there, the Dane Bruglers of the world, the Daniel Jeremiahs, the guys who do this for a living, where they're like, yeah, Bijan Robinson is a, is a top five player in this draft and could be one of the best running backs in the NFL. That, to me is way too compelling, especially with how much Sean w- wants to run, especially with wanting to mix in more two tight end sets like they've wanted to, even though they haven't had a second tight end to do it, and and all of this other stuff. It just makes more sense to me. Now, this is a conversation that is absolutely a moot point because I think he's either going to Atlanta. I think if he's even in the realm of the Bills pick, Jerry Jones is going to get on the horn and be like, we need this guy. Keep him in state and pair him with Tony Pollard. So I don't think this this conversation is ever going to happen. But I think it's a good thought process of what you would do. Like, do you pass up on what could be the best running back prospect of the last 10 years for a receiver because you need one more? Or do you take the guy who can infinitely impact your your team at a higher level? I think it's interesting, and I agree with you. I do think it's a good thought exercise and that he's not going to be there. I think it's yeah, also interesting no. because, um, you know, we talk about this Bills offense and, like, what it's going to look like in year two under Ken Dorsey and so much, right? We keep, I mean, I'm, we've talked about this to death, but that Ken Dorsey obviously is, like, learning his way to be an offensive coordinator, and Sean McDermott has always been, you know, let's run the football better. Let's, you know, get that to be a part of the offense more and all of that. Molding. <laughs> but is this offense, like, how much have we heard that? And yes, they haven't had a running back, obviously, to Bijan's skill level, to say, you know, to any of that skill level. Um, how much is this offense actually, like, there would need to be a belief that this offense is actually going to use a running back enough, like, that it's going to change. That would change the offense. I mean, dramatic, you know, like oh, yeah. they're a pass first, pass always offense almost to an, you know. Like I don't know. I don't know that it would like change it completely. I think it would make them want to rely on Josh as a rusher less, which would be beneficial 
to long-term stuff. And I guess the, I guess there's another point baked in here is that even after they drafted James Cook, they were still sniffing around Alvin Kamara and Christian McCaffrey last year. So like, I don't think they care what people think about their, about the stuff that they're utilizing, the cap room, the, the draft picks and things like that. I think they just want a high impact player, which is why it's always been this thing bubbling in the back of my brain. Like, okay, if Bijan is there, I think they'd probably go for it. That's just, that's just where I'm at on it, but I don't think it'll happen. So this is, this is quite fruitless. Tight end. You brought up tight end. Yeah. When is when is the earliest that you could see them going for one? The first round. Really? Darnell Washington is the one you have in mind? I just think that, like, yeah. I mean, I think it would have – I don't see them, like, trading up for it or anything, but mm-hmm. I think that if there's a guy they really like, and I know they just paid Dawson Knox a lot of money, but I've – I mean, Brandon Bean multiple times, like, this offseason has, like – reference to how like like i've heard him reference how like when he was with the panthers they had a two tight end set that involved obviously greg olson who's like dawson ox is not greg olson in his prime but like mm-hmm. um they had they had these two tight end sets and it worked so well they were able to do so much more and i think there's a i think they view a lot i think there's a reason that they haven't addressed tight end this offseason um i think they want i i if they don't take one early like day early day two or early day three like I think I'll be a little surprised because I do think it's a major position of need I mean the only tight ends on the roster are Dawson and Quint Morris so that's a position that whoa 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 whoa. Zach Davidson would like to have a word (laughs) sorry sorry Zach so sorry so sorry and Zach Davidson of course um they let Tommy Sweeney go um to the Giants Mm. which is we will miss him very much in the locker room he's a great guy um yeah great guy but yeah so I I do think like if they did it in the first round I'd be surprised but you asked the earliest that I could see them doing it and like in an extreme scenario I don't think it would be like the wildest thing if they think that tight end is good enough and could add so yeah I mean I'm yeah, so I'm thinking of Darnell. But, you know, like, I think if they felt, like, that highly about someone and thought they, they could add enough to the offense, like, I don't think it's, like, a bad – like, if it's – it could be, like, a wide receiver type pick where it's another weapon mm-hmm. for Josh. It's someone who could add to the offense as a blocker and a pass catcher. Like, I think that's important to this offense getting better in a similar way like we've been talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I can I can see the definitely the, the thought process there, the – Darnell Washington is someone who would be their their dream of what they would want in a second tight end, just because he is basically an offensive lineman with the athleticism of tight of a tight end. Which he won't is, be there either, guys. But like the point is that like, you don't think he's going to be there at twenty seven. I don't know. I think he'll be there. You think he'll be there? Yeah. Okay. I do. I mean, they still they're still like Dalton Kincaid and and Michael Mayer out there that that need to go first, and teams are yeah. usually hesitant. And I do wonder if like. Because this is what people are billing as one of the best tight end classes of the that's, last 15 years. Yeah. And I wonder if that's going to make teams want to hold off because they yeah. know they're going to get one. A lot like what the Bills did in 2020 with Gabe. Like, Gabe was probably a, is probably a second or third round pick most years. They get wind up getting him in the fourth. They, they doubled down and took Isaiah Hodgins in the sixth just because they, they really thought it was a strong class and they didn't want to leave without at least one. I don't so, think in the first round would be like the best move because it it is like yeah, that, the tight end class like this is supposed you know I everyone's saying that this is like a people who know way more like draft people <laughs> like are saying that it's a very good tight end class so like I do think like I'm saying like that would be the extreme I do mm-hmm. think though that like waiting until like deep day three like I don't think that would be the right move um yeah. Yeah, I think I think the sweet spot, and luckily for them, they don't have a seventh round pick, so they can't right. wait too long. But I, I I could even see them getting a guy who's just a great blocker in the sixth round, and yeah. and just having him be out there like sure. um, Payne Durham, which is a great name by the <laughs> it's way. It's a good name uh, from Purdue. Uh, there's a I'm not gonna spoil it, but I've got a mock draft um, coming out on Monday, and Ooh. I've got a. I've got a, a different name that's a blocking friendly mm-hmm. uh, skill set, um, but uh, but yeah. Stay tuned. So in this in the sixth round, I will say that it's it's in the sixth round, so that's mm-hmm. why I'm defending it. So so I'm biased here. Um, 
Can I say a Wait. bold prediction? I don't mean to into it's relevant. Yes, I think they end up with a seventh round pick. I think Bean does something. I think they're going to trade back at some point, and that's why I keep referencing. Like I think he would like more picks. So I, I mean, he's shown that in the past, right? That they mm-hmm. would like to get more a full draft class. I can yeah. see them trading back at some point and ending up with later picks. Like I think that's very plausible. Well, let me put it in in this this term. A seventh round pick or a seventh pick? Because they're different. Because let's say they, they let's back. say they <laughs> let's say they trade trade back in the first or second round, and they wind up with like a somewhere between round three through five pick. Um, that's that's I could see that even too. better than a, a seventh round pick. Yeah, yeah. But, but I could see like in the the fifth. You know, they have yeah mm-hmm. later in some in day three. I feel like I could see them. Anyway, this is, doesn't really matter, but I see them at no, some point getting does. additional picks. Lot. Additional picks definitely seems like on the table, especially because they've, you know, don't have as many because of some interesting choices. So mm-hmm. let's um, let's switch gears and go to the infuriating portion of the program for the fan base and talk about the idea of taking a defensive player in in the first round. I think um, it's fun. <laughs> I mean, it could be fun. There are. There is a legitimate case for, I think, three different positions on defense. Um, not cornerback. I will, if if they draft a cornerback in the first round. No, I, of course not. I don't. Not. I don't even know what I'll do. I, I'll stop tracking Scandaval altogether. Is is? Yeah, oh I know. It's it's a it's big. It's Guys, big. if they take a cornerback, I'll turn on my video, my camera immediately in the Bills media room, and make sure there's <laughs> documentation of whatever Joe does. They're not going it's, to, so it's hypothetical, but I, I like yeah. the scenario. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I wanted to give up something that was important to me, and, and tracking Scandival is is a very near and dear thing to my heart over the last several several weeks here. It's all my uh, life If you don't know been. what that is, if you don't know what that is, um, I'm, I'm happy for you. No, I'm sorry <laughs> all, for you. <laughs> and also, I'm sorry, because... Uh, Elena and I are, are both big uh, Vanderpump Rule fans. Yeah. Rules fans. I'm going to buy um, Joe a sweatshirt that um, Ariana's selling. So stay tuned. Ooh. We got to buy them. They're so good. I have, I have been to Sir, which is like one of my favorite things that uh, my wife and I have done. So um, so yeah, if, if you like Vanderpump Rules, I am a fellow nerd. Anyway, also, please uh, petition Joe to have an episode of the podcast that's just Vanderpump Rules so I can come back and just discuss that. So, Because <laughs> he wouldn't believe that his audience had crossover. So just, you know, hit him up if you're interested because I have spicy takes. I mean, Scandaval brings out the spiciest, spiciest <laughs> of takes. But anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah, let's, let's, let's go to defense, uh, which is what Scandaval has been playing. So uh, over the last several weeks, <laughs> um, just a just a good transition. Um, so it, it comes down to three different positions to me. That being linebacker, which is the obvious, and then the less obvious slash sneaky slash um, future incentivized picks at defensive tackle and safety, edge rusher on the peripheral. Could happen at some point. Probably not. Mm-hmm. Iffy at best, but um, never rule it out because Brandon Bean loves him some pass rushers. And then cornerback is a complete no zone for me. So um, if between those three, what is it, it's difficult because you can make a strong case for for any one of them early. I agree. So. Which is the uh, which is the one that kind of stands out to you as maybe the the best chance of being their top pick? I think it's linebacker. Um, and Jack Campbell, Luke Keekley connection. Yeah, and I yeah. but I also think it's linebacker because it's immediate. Uh, you know, like it's more it's this year, right? And mm-hmm, I think we've mm-hmm. seen them in recent years, especially with like last year's pick with Kair, when we again can discuss that pick but that was like we need this now right they needed and you know did he start week one no but like they (laughs) they needed it now and i do think there's like did he technically start until like january yeah it was no it was before that well i mean not much (laughs) anyway um so yeah so i do think but like to me if it's linebacker that's a position where like everything that 
I've heard is that like trading back would be the move that you know like a little bit like if you could move mm-hmm. back a little bit some of those like a couple of the best guys should still be there because it's not a position that's addressed a lot um day one which i think is actually like a win win for the bills if you can trade back fill a position of need and get a good player on a rookie contract like that to me is a win and like i do think it speaks to like the weirdness i like terrell bernard i think he's a nice guy but like i think it speaks to the weirdness of that pick last year because it was like i know day three is like not the biggest investment and all that but like they keep you know like he's in reference to like it's him tyrell dodson and balen specter who wasn't active last year as like potential middle linebackers and like to actually like i mean (laughs) it just doesn't like really fit so like i Mm -hmm. do think that like while they did draft Terrell and Balin last year and they brought back Tyrell Dodson like and Tyrell uh, he's he's a special teams player I'll I'll say it because he's he's not a defensive player he's a special teams player so they don't really have a guy that like is ready like believing that Terrell Bernard is going to suddenly like be ready to play a really a big role is like a lot at a position he did not really practice at last year right so I think that to me is like there's a, a hole there and like there's guys who like make sense for them that to me is like that that's what stands out. I mean, I think, mm-hmm. yeah, but I could also see like I think it is really like interesting and like I, I've like as I've been learning more about like linebacker and like the prospects, it's like it's a position that's like been devalued like mm-hmm. recent, like over the years. And I think that's really interesting, too, because it's like what is the value then of drafting a mm-hmm. guy like that? Well, I. I've had multiple things that just popped into, into my brain there as you've been talking. So we're so I think what I want to start off with is I think linebacker, if they really want one with their first pick, I think this is the perfect opportunity to use the tight end um, strength of this draft to your advantage because Cincinnati is sitting right behind you. They need a tight end. Yeah, like they signed Irv Smith, I think, but that's that's just a that's just a band aid at this point. Yeah, um, and it seems like they would be one of those teams that would take a Darnell Washington, that would take uh, a Kincaid, a Mayer, a Musgrave. Um, I think those are really the the core ones that that would be available, or that would people would want to take that early on. Maybe Laporta, but probably not. Um, but that's probably the range where they're going to start to come off the board. So maybe that's an opportunity for the Bills. Even if they had to give up on the fifth-year option, I don't think it's it's a killer to them um, because it's still a, a pretty strong financial commitment. Do you, uh, do you lose that year of control? Yes. But if it's at a position that... Um, I guess you don't want to pay a premium on like a linebacker that, or maybe you want to see the, the player prove it before you pay this premium, then that would be means to, to move down. So that's, that's one thing that, that popped in my brain. Um, the other piece of this is that what if they just ignore linebacker altogether in the draft? And I know that's, it's probably like, okay, so what the hell are they going to do? I'm, I've been kind of keeping a close eye on how the how they're uh, how they might how they might play this thing just because they haven't like like I mentioned before they haven't really had any reported thirty visits with linebackers I don't know of one at this point um, and by the way if you if you haven't seen the list head over to uh, Ryan Talbot's um, Twitter page because he's got a, a good good running list of, of everything that that's going on over there. So shout out to, to Ryan does a great job. Um, I think the fact that they haven't really had much contact reported, so they could, they could have had this. So this is just putting on the tinfoil hat. We said we like conspiracies. Here we are. I wonder if they neglected altogether with the idea that once the compensatory formula deadline is passed, they use some of this six million in cap space that they still have to sign a linebacker that doesn't qualify for a, a free agent gained, so that way they still keep their their third round pick for Tremaine Edmonds. Who that are they is, signing? Who is this magical linebacker? I mean, there's going to be guys who wind up getting cut because of the draft, so sure. th- so that's an option. Um, Rashawn Evans is sitting out there still. 
Uh, he's someone with a lot of starting experience for future uh, former first round pick. Uh, Miles Jack is still kind of hanging out around there. So that's someone just a veteran that can come in and compete with, with Terrell Bernard or just hold the cards tight to the vest until people start cutting some of these linebackers and, and go from there because it would almost feel like if they, if they, if they view either of those guys as first round picks, by all means, go for it because it's an obvious and immediate need. But since you know, I, I've been I've been on team linebacker as a major potential for a, a few weeks now. But now I'm I'm starting to think about the other side of it. Okay, so what if they don't? And this is where my brain kind of takes me because it gives them an instant, more of an instant impact. They know that they're going to have their safeties there. They know that their corners are are going to have be the same as last year, and it allows them a temporary band-aid to get by at the position and maybe they just push it off a year or they see what Terrell Bernard has to has to or where he lands in, in this. So that's that's why it's it's never set in stone with the draft and conspiracy theories it's why it's perfect time of year for, for this sort of thing. So what what are your thoughts on on that line of thinking? I see it. I do. I understand where you're like I I can see the merits of that conspiracy theory and yes, I do love a good conspiracy theory. I just like I guess it's just hard to see like what that like the faith I would have to have in like Terrell Bernard to compete for that, like to really compete for that spot. When like, again, like you said, he didn't practice almost at all at that middle Mm -hmm. linebacker position. And there are differences in playing those two spots. Like, I don't, it's just, it would be quite the risk, I think. Like to be like, okay, we can bring a veteran in and like hope that someone will show up and do well enough. To win i mean is that not kind of like obviously it was a different scenario but like with corner last year it was like let's see what happens and they invested high i mean i guess that's the case against investing highly though i've talked myself mm-hmm. into because mm-hmm. look they invested highly and we're like let's see who wins the number two job and it wasn't the guy they invested highly in so like <laughs> there it was is, the guy that they cut yeah. after they drafted him right so like they i do back obviously yeah, yeah but i do i i so i see your point because there is like if you don't have faith you know like pushing it can also lead to that so like mm-hmm. hmm, maybe i've just got it a circle and convinced myself but they're i do a, think there's a risk to it yeah they're in a weird spot where at 27 it might be just a touch early for one of those linebackers yeah and at 59 it's a touch too late for right. those linebackers so it's either you trade back you have to be really committed to taking this linebacker as your as your top pick and you might be leaving a talent at another, which is uh, at another position for my favorite term, need meets value. Um, you, you might be leaving that on the cutting board here. Um, so that's that's my only, that's, that's my biggest, I, I think, argument against them taking a linebacker. Because as you pointed out, there is some... Uh, there is some devaluation here going on at the linebacker position. The Bills don't feel this way, but you could pick up someone that could get you through it and at least find out about Terrell Bernard. I could see them with the way that they're working themselves into a tizzy with Spencer Brown and Gabe Davis and all of this other stuff. Um, I could see them wanting to give Terrell Bernard a shot to at least win the job. I So I, I just don't... I don't know that it's a slam dunk for, for linebacker anymore. I thought it was a couple weeks ago. Now, less so. I agree with you, too, because I think we have seen, like, the more you bring up that and, like, Spencer um, and Gabe and, like, those mm-hmm. kind of players. Commitment seen... to draft picks is real with Bean. Yeah, exactly. They have shown a commitment to wanting to see if they can develop, like, relying on their coaching staff, like, maybe, like, more than most teams do. It's, like, to be mm-hmm. able to develop these players in a way that, like, will prove the draft pick to be correct, which is a little nuts of <laughs> how much they rely on the coaching staff at time. Cause I think you can point to like how they've drafted defensive linemen and like how they rely on them sometimes to lose weight and like fit a certain model, like that the coaching will get them there. Like they've really relied on the coaching staff in a lot of ways. So like, maybe they are, they think they can develop Terrell to get to a certain point. And so I do that to me, there is a strong point that like, 
they like to see those guys develop. Like that's real, man. You, every time I come on your pod, Joe, you convince me that like, I wasn't set on linebacker, but it was definitely like, I see it, you know, like, but I do think like, yeah, it is. And the spot they're in, I think complicates it. Like, I think if they were sitting elsewhere, like round two, for some reason, they had a higher pick. Like, I think it would be different, but that 27 spot is weird for where they yeah. have the linebackers going. So looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events. We've got the spot. Our partner StubHub has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The draft is my favorite time of year. I can, I can, uh, uh, like the theories that I just make up or, or that I that I logically bring myself to around around draft time is is why I love it so much. Um, just because like there's so it's so open ended and yeah. So I'll I'll stop nerding out. Okay, defensive tackle safety are the are the other two spots we didn't bring up. Um, yeah. Between the two, they are not immediate needs. They have they have starters, and they also have depth, but they're also in the conversation for their first pick. So, if you had, do you feel more strongly about one versus the other um, in terms of what they could do this year? Can I ask you a question first? Always, yeah. Well, gets a little spicy. If they draft a defensive tackle, and I have a take on this, so I want to hear what you think. If mm. they draft a defensive tackle in the first round. What do you think it means or doesn't mean anything for Ed Oliver's future with this team? Glad you brought this up. I think they want Ed Oliver for the long term. And nothing will convince me otherwise because Brandon Bean has said it the last two years that he's alluded to it at least that they would they would like to work towards something. I mean, two, uh, last offseason it was, yeah, we're going to do the fifth-year option and, and hopefully a lot longer than that. Uh, and then this year is something along the same lines. He, he's mentioned it a few different times. So to me, Ed Oliver is a part of their plans. And when you look at where the NFL salary cap is headed next year, it's projected to increase by about 30 plus million dollars in 2024, according to Over the Cap. They have it projected at $256 million. I trust Over the Cap. They do a fantastic job. Um, and, you know, maybe if it comes in a little bit less than that, so be it. The, the the fact of the matter here is that there's going to be some more wiggle room next year to to bring a core piece back. And they've also got more expirings coming. Like, Deion Dawkins is a free agent after 24. Uh, they have guys that they can cut next year that they can actually save legitimate funds. They can they can cut Naheem Hines next year, save 5 mil. They can cut Ryan Bates next year, save 5 mil if they wanted to. So there's there are options here. Um, so, and... They can just convert Josh Allen's contract again and save upwards of $22 million on next year's cap, which already puts them at, from what over the cap has them projected, around $23 million in cap space before any other moves or any other rollover from, from this year. All that is to say, I think they want Ed Oliver here. The only thing that holds me back a little bit is the fact that the defensive tackle market absolutely boomed. If I'm Ed Oliver, I'm not signing anything until I play the year out. Because if he if he winds up having a great statistical campaign, that price is going up. But from a team perspective, if I'm the Bills, I'm trying to get him signed before the season starts. Because his value is still kind of lower based on those statistical things. But do I think they want him? Yes. So that's why guys like, to me, uh, Kalijah Cansey from Pittsburgh... All due respect, Elena. I know. I know you're 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 a pit human. Um, and yeah, everyone you're, insulted you're... from Pittsburgh insulted is insulting me too. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> no you, you, you lived you lived in Pittsburgh, um, but I I just I just don't see it because Cansey is smaller than Ed Oliver. 
He has shorter arms and has too similar of a game. And that's why I don't see it there. So if you had to ask me, I think it's someone that can be a long-term one technique as opposed to a guy like Kalaja Kansi. So where do you fall on it, Oliver? Yeah, I. Well, this is not good for the podcast. I agree with you <laughs> that like. I mean, we we disagreed on Bijan Robinson and linebacker, true. so so we're we're good to go here to agree. I do think it's interesting though that like I agree. I think they would like Ed Oliver long term. I do think it's interesting like this timing of when that would be because, uh, as Bills fans are well aware, Ed Oliver has been sharing his thoughts um, on social media on how he would like money. Um, and like, I'm sure he would love it. All of us would like money. All of us would like more money. Oh, this has been a fun. This is such a tangent. What would you do with $6 billion? What would be your first purchase? Instead of buying the Washington football team, what would you buy first? Your first purchase. Gosh. Put you on the spot, but it's an important question. I want everyone listening to also consider it because my friend responded with a bag. I judged her, so I need everyone else's. Probably, uh, I'm I'm a simple guy. Probably like a like a a house just to have it paid off. Not like something ridiculous, sure. but but just to just to have it paid off where you wouldn't have to worry about uh, worry about stuff. I think I think that would where I would fall. What about you? That was the most Joe answer ever. <laughs> A simple house. If I had $6 billion, <laughs> believe it or not, I would still do this. I would still work. <laughs> he loves you guys so much. Um, I would, I don't know. I would have to see. I'd give, I also would probably work. But I think I would buy, like, not a private plane, because those are bad for the environment, but, like, mm. have uh, planes ready for me wow. to go. Like, some sort of plane service would be, like, flying private would be because wow. that sounds nice and not All good for the, the environment PJs. either so we don't advocate for that but anyway back to my yeah. <laughs> we went off on a tangent there so i apologize but it was an important question i'd also buy like really good like some sort of food service anyway because food's very important to me <laughs> um maybe i'd start a garden um <laughs> i could go <laughs> off on a tangent so sorry anyway i don't even know what it was oh right ed wanting money Ed Oliver. Yeah. so yeah so i do think he would like to get paid and will be a little grumpy if he's not but he's gonna you know i, I think they want to pay him like i agree i think addressing defensive tackle has nothing to do with ed in my opinion it's more like daquan jones is going to be mm-hmm. a free agent next year uh they mm-hmm. resign jordan phillips for on a one-year deal like all these guys are like um, Tim Settle's back. He's on the last year of his deal. You know, like those kind of guys, It's they don't have depth at the position long term. So to me, it's more so addressing they've shown how important the defensive line is, building, you know, giving Ed more help, helping that position. Like that to me is actually really valuable. And if they are going to pay Ed and they're in a position where they, like you said, if he, I agree. I think if he's smart, he sits and waits yeah. and sees what he does this year. Has yeah, more no, no. Thanksgiving games. The maybe worst, not thing, on the worst thing that could happen is he gets injured. And right. of that's, course, that's, that's the le- risk. Yeah, that's the legitimate risk. But I think I would roll the dice if I were him. Yeah, and I think the Bills, like, I think it's an interesting spot for the Bills because do they want to see? like what he can also do this year, but then they get stuck with like, I mean, gosh, how much Jeffrey Simmons got paid recently? Like that was Mm -hmm. nuts. And he's going to want though, like that's the risk. I think the bill, I agree with you. I think the bills are taking a risk by not paying him. And then he's also taking the injury risk. So it's actually a really injury, interesting situation. Um, But yeah, I think addressing defensive tackle in the draft makes sense to me. I think it's a good long-term play, especially if that market is booming to have like a cheaper guy, on that line who can play in the, you know, mm-hmm. be there to support, be there, you know, like, I think that's a good move. Um, but it also has what, to like, yeah. What is more likely in your mind, defensive tackle in the first round or safety in the first round? I mean, this involves DeMar, to be honest with you. Like, yeah, I sure. know it not to like, there's other safeties on this roster. And like, it also like Christian Benford's an interesting conversation. Um, they have been more so corner, obviously, with him as of late. But, like, I that feels flexible. You know, like, I think that could mm-hmm. change. Um, I, ooh, I think defensive tackle okay. because I think they view the line as a very important spot. Mm-hmm. I think they put – they obviously value safety because they have invested in Micah – and Jordan, not so much now, but you know, like over the years, they've invested a lot in those two guys. But I think, like, 
the league doesn't view safety as as like high value of a position. And I think drafting a safety early versus drafting a defensive tackle early, like the value and like what you can do later, like I think it more more sense to address up front. Um, mm-hmm. based on what they've drafted, based on what the league as a whole, like I think the league views defensive tackle, you know, like the value of you could get a safety later. Um, mm-hmm. That too is a part of it to me. And how they feel about DeMar is a part of it as well. How him like being available is an element to it. Um, not the strongest though. Like I think even if he is like with or without, it's important. But yeah, to me, it's, it's up front. It's defensive tackle. It's getting, I mean, gosh, they've, how many times do they have to tell you they think the defensive line is important before like mm, I know. <laughs> you believe it? What do you agree or disagree? Um, I am actually indifferent only because I think indifferent. Uh, and I thought me agreeing with you was bad for the pod. The people <laughs> don't want to hear indifferent, Joe. <laughs> well, I think the only argument for taking it and mine is more prospect related than than Bill's valuation related. I think the only safety worth taking at 27 would be Brian Branch from Alabama. If it's anyone else, it doesn't matter. And I think Brian Branch is like an amazing locked in solid bet to be one of their leading players on the defense for a long time to come if they take him. Um, So that's, that's why I'm, slightly indifferent and maybe even I lean toward him just because I think the depth of defensive tackle this year is far greater than what um than what the uh than what would be available at safety later on but they have made a career or at least Sean McDermott has of finding diamonds in the rough at at safety I don't know and I I totally hear you on on the DeMar point it it has to be talked about but this is just if it's if it's me i'm not looking at at his entire picture and i would not feel good about banking on him in any sort of capacity no. i'm not saying you're saying that by any means i wouldn't feel good about about doing that not only from a physical standpoint but from a, a mental and emotional standpoint like you don't know what is going to trigger for him once he gets back on a football field. And to me, th- there are just way too many variables to to think to yourself, okay, well, he's got a good chance of being one of our four safeties this year. Right. I, I, it, I would really struggle with that. Or even factor him into the starting conversation down the line. Um, to me, it's just, I think it's a matter of DeMar going at his own pace and then going off that and seeing if he can become a depth player for you down the line. But there's just no sense in, to me anyway, to thinking like, okay, this he's, he's going to factor in. I could, I could see him being on a reserve list the, the entire season. Um, And, and I wouldn't necessarily disagree if, if that's, if that's uh, what they were planning on anyway. Well, and I think all of it, I think I agree with everything you just said, because I think a lot of it, too, is what we've heard and what, you know, the tone is around DeMar is that it's on his pace. You know, mm-hmm. like it's obviously it's a group decision in the sense that, like, they want to do what's best for him and like what's healthy for him. But like they're going to go at his speed. Like if he it's a lot. So much of it is mental, I think, mm-hmm. is like a part of it that's so, 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 so important. It's like DeMar's the most health. important. The, mo- the yeah. most important. Yeah. Like, well, obviously, like, he needs to be physically clear. Right. And all After of that, physical but... health, like, with physical health, I think they're together. Yeah. The two Absolutely. are together. Like, his physical health has to meet his mental health. So I think that's part of, like, I think, yeah, I agree with you, actually. Like, I think, and if we're at a point now where I think we can talk about, like, okay, they need to probably address safety in other ways because you don't want to pressure him, right? You Like, you don't mm-hmm. want it to be like, well, we're relying on DeMar. Like, that's the worst mm-hmm. case scenario to me. Mm-hmm. So I do think, like, addressing it, um even with or without or like whatever like i think i think that is like the what is the sensitive and like best move is to like not like he's there and like if he can play great but if and if he's ready and everyone thinks it's the best move and he feels good and it works out amazing what a story like that would be Mm -hmm. awesome but it's Mm -hmm. also like not putting that pressure on him so it's but it makes it like okay i think we can talk about now that like Micah Hyde's on the last year of his deal. 
right? Mm-hmm. Jordan Poyer can they, they can get out of that real quick. They like, were ready to move on from Poyer right? this offseason. And he <laughs> and they, came back. Yeah. And they don't it's it can be a one year and thanks Jordan, it was fun. Like mm-hmm. it can be. So but then what? So like I think there's like a couple positions on the roster that are like that are like, okay, what's the future here? And safety's mm-hmm. one of them. So I do think that does add like if the right guy was there, um, it's I, it Brian would be Branch and that's it. It's Brian Branch and that's it. Like, You're way Branch better had... at that stuff than I am, so I uh, trust your judgment. Well, I I um, dove deep into like the positions that the that the Bills are are probably going to target in the in the first like four or five rounds and. There's just such a drop off in terms of what they look for, and in terms of where the safety position or how how deep the or how much early round talent there is at safety from Branch to the next guy. Like there's yeah. Antonio Johnson out there from Texas A&M. I don't really see him as a fit. You know, he's he's not from what um, like like I pointed out. Dane Brewer does an amazing job at all this stuff. If you haven't read the Beast or or gotten in just lose a day <laughs> and, and dive into the entire entirety of it. But from, and I, I, I lean on Dane for safeties more than anything because he has access to all 22. I do not for the most part for college stuff. So safety wise. Yeah, I know. Crazy. Um, so safety wise, I lean, I lean on him for that. And in, in Dane's opinion, uh, he doesn't see a, a very instinctive player for, from Antonio Johnson. That's a huge thing. And, uh, you know, being able to anticipate, I mean, that's that's what made Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde so darn good for, for so long in, in the Bills scheme. So that he's probably like the second guy. But then once you get into the third, fourth, fifth round, I think that's another sweet spot of where they could take a safety. So that's why it's like for me, Brian Branch or I'm out at safety and then I would be with you with with defensive tackle between those two yeah you know you can make a case for Mozzie Smith who um he's just he could be a long-term starter next to Ed Oliver and then in in the next few rounds there's guys like Keanu Benton who by the way wrestling background put it on the board Keanu Benton Wisconsin wrestled in high school earmark him oh my god earmark him (laughs) yep and the last time they took a defensive tackle in the NFL draft, well, the last time they took a one-technique defensive tackle in the NFL draft, it was Harrison Phillips, who had a wrestling background. Um, so Keanu Benton is someone to keep an eye on. Guys like Jervon Dexter from Florida, another one. So um, uh, who's who's the other one that, that I can't think of right now? Uh, Cameron Young from Mississippi State. He's another one that, that, I've, that I've got my eye on. Anyway. I think if they draft someone who has a wrestling background, the rule has to be you have to wrestle Sean McDermott like before you get your jersey or something like that. Like you should have to wrestle Sean. I think that should be that with and media and everyone should be able to come <laughs> like watch it happen. So one of one of my favorite things of that draft year when they took Harrison Phillips, I went to the Senior Bowl that year and I talked with with Harrison Phillips about the wrestling background or someone did, and, and uh, I think Sean said said something like. He was gonna put him in a rear naked choke uh, <laughs> as soon as as soon as he saw him. <laughs> I'm like, okay. It's like, please they're, do. They're speaking a different language. I don't know anything about it. It's fine. I think it'd be great, and it would be a good way to initiate yourself into the team. So. If I knew more about wrestling. No, if they would wrestle. Well, yes, obviously. Oh. We need you to also become, in addition to your punting pros and your draft punting analysis pros is an amazing <laughs> two words put together we need you to become a wrestling expert because sean would love to if you inserted little wrestling words into your questions maybe he would like your questions more joe <laughs> no, i know um <laughs> i i am sad that there's not going to be a puntapalooza this year i am yeah. however anticipating there will be a puntapalooza in 2024 so we are not gone we are only napping. napping yes but there could be a there could be a long snapper palooza this year so who the hell knows yeah mm-hmm. i will miss the punting palooza aspect of it um but i think we should all put it in our calendars for 2024 because yes. i will be eagerly awaiting that content quick question you have to answer within 10 seconds oh no okay the bills resign blank to an extension first Oh, uh, 
Um, I mean, I think it's Ed. Ed? You think Ed? I'm going to um, go off the board here. Tyler Bass. Oh, that's so boring, though. It's not. I mean, it's boring, but it's not. <laughs> well, yeah, at some point they yeah. will. Yes. All right, fine. I do think, like, uh, can I take mine back? <laughs> Surely. What if it's Gabe, guys? <laughs> Yeah, I don't think it's going to be Gabe. I don't think so either. That would have been a fun one if I said though, right? I think yeah. it's Ed because I do see, I think we've discussed like the value of doing mm-hmm. that sooner rather than later. That's why I think there's like value to that. Tyler though is a good call. That I could, that would make sense. They obviously what if like they What if much. they sign Matt Milano to another extension? <laughs> wow. Is he yeah. not signed for long enough? <laughs> yeah, it just keeps keep re-signing him to extension. After extension that would every be off-season. that would be he signed with this one, this one, this one. Yep. It would just be, but hey, it's a good life to be Matt Milano. Life, lifetime contract to the point where he's Bobby Bonilla. Um, do you, oh do you no! Know, oh yes, re- yes okay, I, I do. Say, yes, you know yes, yes. He can um, buy a lot of Milano cookies though. That's my favorite pun, and I will continue to make it forever. So. Yeah, okay. they don't have like the extension candidates. I know we're going long here, but they don't have the extension candidates they had last year, I think, where it was like Dawson, mm-hmm. Tremaine, you know, like it was like these guys, like they're either going to do it or it's like, mm, you're probably not going to keep him. And like, we I all think, knew they were going to do Dawson. Right. So I think yeah. there's like the Ed one's the most interesting. And then it's kind of like they don't have quite the like big, big guys that they've had they had last year where it was like they got to make decisions on this guy like it's it's mostly just ed like what it, mm-hmm. and then the micah thing but like i think like ex, like big extension wise it's like ed and then it's not as dramatic i think as it was last year where it's like they're gonna do dawson and then tremaine what are they gonna do you know like mm-hmm. that kind of thing so mm-hmm. but they do have they do have space to do it um mm-hmm. they, they can they can resign whoever they want for for next year all right elena getzenberg this was excellent just as it was last year, we need. I mean, I I feel like it's a yearly tradition now. So um, I guess so. Joe gonna, will only have me on his podcast once a year, though, guys. So I don't know why that is. I guess. Well, I'm I feel not bad about enough. asking asking too much. I mean, why? Just, I love coming on. I know, I know, I know. We'll we'll we'll, we'll get you on more often. We'll, we'll get you on during during the season or. Everyone during... asks for reality TV content. I mean, I am always asking for reality TV content. I, I have to. I yeah. Anyway, well, thank you for having me on. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is uh, Elena Gatzenberg. You can read all her stuff over on ESPN.com. She does a terrific job covering the bills for them. And uh, and f- like I said before, friend of the show. So it's always good getting her on the podcast. All right, that'll do it for this episode of the Buffalo Beat. Thanks, everyone, for listening to one of the final pre-draft episodes. I'll be back next week talking about more, which is... We've got, we'll have more to chew on because Brandon Bean, hopefully, will have talked by then. So, uh, so we'll, we'll dive into what was said, what it means, what it could mean to the first few rounds, and then go from there. So, my name is Joe Biscalia for Elena Getzenberg of ESPN. Uh, thank you for listening, and we will talk to you next week. See you then. Mm-hmm.